Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the GynoBits podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Susie Weber, board-certified gynecologist and menopause specialist. On the GynoBits podcast, we'll cover women's health issues with a focus on menopause, bovovaginal conditions, and sexual health. Welcome to GynoBits podcast number three, perimenopausal and menopausal treatments, including supplements, non-hormonal therapy, and hormonal therapy. Today I wanted to talk about some supplements that do have evidence to suggest they can help with perimenopausal and menopausal symptoms. Most of the -the over-the-counter stuff does not have good data behind it. Initially, some studies showed that black cohosh was helpful, but then most of the studies since then have not shown that. Um, You know, and it's tough when there's mixed studies There's also a high percentage of women and men that take supplements that'll have a decent placebo effect, sometimes 20 or 30% placebo effect. But in general, the stuff that you buy at the grocery store or vitamin cottage is not going to be helpful and you should save your money. If you are struggling with hot flashes and night sweats, there is some recent data some studies that showed that a vegan diet with a half a cup of soybeans daily decreased hot flashes and night sweats over a 12-week period of time. For me, I'm not interested in a vegan diet, um, but if you are, that might be helpful for you. There also was a study done in Iran where women were taking curcumin twice daily and vitamin E twice daily, and that was shown to over a 12-week period to decrease hot flashes and night sweats significantly as well. There's also a Swedish flower pollen extract that is marketed as Relizin by a company called Bonafide that studies their products against placebos. Most of these studies are small, but it has been shown to be effective at reducing hot flashes and night sweats. And I have had women in my practice use it, especially some women with breast cancer or history of blood clots where they couldn't use hormone therapy. And it has helped some women. That's a supplement that you order online. There's no prescription and supplements are not regulated by the FDA. They are not regulated by any of our government agencies. There are also non-hormonal prescription medications for perimenopausal symptoms. And it really depends on what your predominant symptom is. So if you are really struggling with anxiety and hot flashes and night sweats, you may want to consider an anti-anxiety medication, something in the SSRI family or the SNRI family. Those are um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications that work through our serotonin and norepinephrine systems to regulate our mood. Uh, But for some women, they may find that a medication in that family can help significantly with their anxiety, and it can also reduce hot flashes and night sweats. But it's important to pick one that's going to have good activity for both of those symptoms and not have a lot of other side effects that you don't want to deal with, like weight gain or sexual side effects. Unfortunately, some of the medications in the SSRI and SNRI families do have sexual side effects as a common um, side effect. So 10% or more of patients may have issues with decreased libido or delayed or completely inhibited orgasm. So you don't want to change or you don't want to swap out one bothersome issue like hot flashes and night sweats for another one. There are other medications as well, like gabapentin, which is approved to treat 
seizure disorders and um, used for chronic pain as well that have been shown to help reduce hot flashes. Um, But you have to be careful with those medications as well because gabapentin can lead to weight gain and can be sedating. So some women take it and just feel really sleepy or, or tired the next day. Any therapy you think about, you should really talk about the risks and benefits and and side effects with your doctor to make sure that you're getting the appropriate treatment, of course. There are also FDA-approved prescription hormone medications that can be used to control your perimenopausal symptoms as well. And what you choose depends really on your predominant symptoms. So if you're still having regular menstrual cycles and they're every 21 days and they're heavy and they're long and they're crampy and they suck and you can't leave the house because you're bleeding and you have to change your tampon every hour, then you might be a candidate for going on a low dose continuous birth control pill. Something like that can really improve your menstrual symptoms and can also help with a lot of the hot flashes and night sweats. And if you're in your 40s and you're still having menstrual cycles, you can get pregnant. So you still need a contraceptive if you're ovulating. You also may want to consider something like the Mirena IUD, which is a progesterone-only IUD. It's approved for contraception for eight years. It sits inside the uterus and it releases progesterone locally. It doesn't have any estrogen in it, so it can be used in women that have had a blood clot or high blood pressure. And the IUD thins the lining of the uterus so that you don't have bleeding every month. A lot of women, 30, 40% over time, won't get bleeding with the Mirena. You can have irregular bleeding with it. You can still have regular menstrual cycles with it, but it is an FDA approved treatment option for heavy menstrual periods. And a lot of women do very well with it. Now, if you're not having a lot of problems with your menstrual cycle, and most of your problems are things like night sweats, hot flashes during the day, brain fog, uh, palpitations, mood changes, then you could be a candidate for menopausal hormone therapy. And that is where we use very, very low doses of estrogen to treat those symptoms. We typically use estradiol. Estradiol is the estrogen that our body makes before menopause. It's a very potent estrogen and levels of estradiol decline around the menopause. If you don't have a uterus, you can just take estradiol. If you do have a uterus, then you need to be on progesterone therapy as well because that protects your uterine lining from the estrogen. So if a woman just takes estrogen, 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 that is the hormone that grows the lining inside the uterus. Progesterone is what keeps that uterine lining thin. Progesterone is the hormone that is produced after ovulation and that keeps you from overgrowing that lining of the uterus. Not every woman is a candidate for hormones. If you have had a blood clot or a stroke or a heart attack, you're gonna be at higher risk for complications from hormone therapy, including, you know, duh, strokes, heart attacks, and blood clots. If you are a healthy woman under the age of 60, these risks are going to be lower. And of course, worry that most women have around hormone therapy is their risk of breast cancer. Because all they have heard for the last 20 plus years is that hormones cause breast cancer. What they haven't heard is that 
women between the ages of 50 and 59 in the Women's Health Initiative study had a very low risk of breast cancer on hormone therapy. Women who were using estrogen and progesterone for five years, there were three out of a thousand women over that five-year period that developed breast cancer in the hormone therapy group compared to women not taking hormones. And interestingly, in the group where women were only taking estrogen because they'd had a hysterectomy and they did not need to take progesterone, there was a decrease risk of breast cancer. So three women out of a thousand over five years is less than one per thousand women per year. The other thing to know is that the hormones that were used in the Women's Health Initiative study are not hormones that we typically use now. We are starting to do more studies on more bioidentical hormones like estradiol and progesterone, which are FDA approved prescriptions, and they're appearing to be safer. But these studies are small, so stay tuned because hopefully we're gonna be getting more data. So a common regimen that I use in my clinic for my patients that want to go on hormone therapy is an estradiol patch. This is an estrogen patch. They use it twice weekly or once weekly, depending on which particular patch we pick. And they take progesterone nightly if they have a uterus. The progesterone can help a lot of times with sleep because it has a calming effect. And so I have women take it at night so they're not tired in the in the morning or if they take it in the morning they're still going to have a period if they are cycling but a lot of times the estrogen will help with those bothersome symptoms like their night sweats and can help impact their sleep in a positive way there's even a small study that showed that sleep was improved using estrogen regardless of whether a woman was having hot flashes Now, not all women are gonna wanna use hormone therapy, and that's okay. If you are having symptoms that are local, so you're struggling with vaginal dryness and pain, and this never gets better after menopause. If you're having it at 48, it's not gonna get better. And I really hate when I see women in my clinic that are 62, they wanna be sexually active, they wanna use their vagina, but they haven't been using vaginal hormones and they've had really bad dryness and it's just gotten so bad to the point where they cannot have vaginal intercourse anymore. There are things that we can do in that situation, but it definitely takes more time and more effort to get back to a normal functioning level. There are really no downsides to using local vaginal hormones. So if you are having dryness, you can start with non-hormonal things like a good lubricant during intercourse. Silicone-based lubricants are gonna last longer. You can get a vaginal moisturizer, and then you can get prescription vaginal hormones. Most of the time we prescribe estradiol, and a woman uses it a couple times a week. And you can get estradiol in different forms. So you can use a cream, a tablet, a ring, little inserts. There are also oral medications that you can take by mouth that act like an estrogen in your vaginal tissues, but not in your breast tissue or other places in your body. There's also a cool insert that is an adrenal hormone and you put it in the vagina at bedtime and your vaginal cells break it down into testosterone and estrogen. 
yes, I said testosterone because there are testosterone receptors in your vagina around the opening of the vagina, around the base of the bladder and the urethra. So if I have someone that's not doing well with vaginal estrogen, I like this product. It can help with the testosterone receptors in the vagina as well. Wow, I just said vagina a whole bunch of times. I feel like we should be playing some kind of drinking game where we do a shot every time I say vagina. The other thing I wanted to talk about is the difference between FDA-approved treatments and hormones that are not FDA-approved because I don't think many women know the difference. So if I write you a prescription, you take it to your local pharmacy, Walgreens, King Supers, what have you, they fill it with a product. That product is made by a pharmaceutical company and that company is regulated by our FDA, our government agency, the Food and Drug Administration. That company is held to a certain standard and they must be giving you a certain percentage of what you think you're getting. So there are quality standards in place. A compounded medication is a prescription that I give a patient who takes it to an independent compounding pharmacy where they make that medication on site. And I use compounding pharmacies for different products and I generally feel like they want to be on the up and up and and do a good job, but they are not regulated by the FDA. So you could be getting exactly what you think you're getting or you may be getting half of what you think you're getting. They just don't have to have the same um, regulation. Sometimes we need to use a compounding pharmacy if we are using something that does not have an FDA approved product. So if I have women that are having vaginal spasms or, uh, you know, I might need to compound vaginal Valium. If I have women with anal fissures, then compounding something that they can apply to the anal area to relax that muscle, to try to get their fissure to heal. Um, then I'll prescribe that to a compounding pharmacy. In general, I like to start with FDA approved products because these are the ones that are going to be covered by insurance. So they're frequently cheaper for patients and we know exactly what they're getting in their medications. And when you're taking progesterone to protect your uterine lining, you want to make sure that you are getting the right amount of progesterone. There is not enough data to say, hey, this compounded progesterone cream that you're applying to your arm every day is protecting your uterine lining. And the last thing we want is for you to get a uterine precancer or cancer. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about is what does bioidentical mean? This is really a marketing term. I think a a compounding pharmacy somewhere probably came up with this, but what this means is that you are taking a hormone that resembles something that your body makes. Um, I like the term body identical. So if I prescribe someone estradiol or progesterone, those are body identical. Yes, they're made in a lab, they're synthetic, but they chemically resemble what our body is making. A lot of women ask me about testosterone. Do I need testosterone? And I think that depends. Some women do very, very well with estradiol and progesterone or just estradiol if they don't have a uterus and they feel like they're happy where they're at. Their brain fog is better, their night sweats are better, their vaginas feel better. Okay, drink, just kidding then I would say, no, you don't need testosterone. 
Some women just feel like they are missing something. They feel like they're 80% better on their estrogen and their progesterone, but they may still have decreased energy or they may have decreased sex drive that's bothersome to them. And then they want to try off-label testosterone. And off-label means that we don't have an FDA-approved prescription product for women. So what we do is we prescribe either a compounded testosterone or we prescribe an FDA-approved testosterone at a much lower dose than what a male would use. And the woman uses it and we follow her testosterone levels very carefully to make sure she's not getting into a supra-physiologic range, make sure that we're not turning her into a man. And once we get her in a good premenopausal female range, we give it some time to see if she feels better. If she's not feeling any effects in six months, there's probably no reason to continue it at that point. If she is feeling good, then we continue it. But we have a discussion about what the risks and the benefits are and what the long-term data shows. There are some prescription-approved products in other countries. So Australia has a testosterone cream that is approved by their government for use in menopausal women. Unfortunately, we have not gotten any FDA-approved testosterone treatments for women in this country, although we have tried. Now, there are other ways of getting testosterone, and a lot of women have heard about hormone pellets. Pellets are placed under the skin in your buttock. They can be helpful for some women, but they are supplements. They are not regulated by the FDA. And unfortunately, some women get variable absorption from these pellets and can have wild swings in their testosterone levels. I see multiple women in a month that have gotten pellets that either haven't gotten any results from them or they have had side effects like hair loss, clitoral enlargement, acne, increase in anxiety or rage because their levels were just too high. A normal premenopausal testosterone level is going to be up to about 50 or so. And these women can have testosterone levels in the 300s, or I've seen one close to 500. Um, So you just really have to be careful. I think there are some gynecologists that are good at doing pellets, but really you should consider off-label treatments after you've tried other things. That's my opinion. Pellets can be very expensive as well, and they're not covered by insurance. If you decide to go the pellet route, that's cool. But if you call up a place and you just want to talk to someone about your perimenopause, your menopause, you want to get information, you want to find out what all your treatment options are, and they are selling you pellets the minute you walk in the door, or they're talking to you about pellets on the phone, that's not the place for you. You need to go and get all of the information and decide what the best treatment is for you. I mean, hell, some days I think I should get a pellet because then I would have more energy maybe, I could get more things done, my husband would probably like it, but you know, we are not small men. It's just like the pediatricians always say, kids are not little adults. Women are not little men. And so we are not supposed to have testosterone levels over 100. That's not physiologic at any time during our life. All right, well, I'm stepping off my soapbox now about my pellets, but I just get frustrated when I see women in the perimenopause and menopause who are struggling with their symptoms, getting preyed upon. So 
random clinics can make money. Thank you for joining me for today's GynoBits podcast. If you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share. Just a reminder that this is not medical advice and you should consult with your personal physician. Also, the opinions and views are mine only and do not reflect those of my employer. If you would like more information or to consult with me, please go to my webpage, healthiermenopause.com. You can also find me on Instagram at healthiermenopause and Facebook, menopause md 